Hi there, I just wanted to let you know that I just launched a brand new website. It's theloverabbi.com, T-H-E-L-O-V-E-R-A-B-B-I.com, theloverabbi.com, and it has um, lots of very interesting uh, things there, especially you can purchase um, a lot of the different classes and uh, lectures that I have given um, over the past few years, and you can also take a look at the current classes and lectures that I'm giving and the current events that I am doing on relationships. So I encourage you to go check it out. It's theloverabbi.com. Thanks so much. And now on with today's class. A good day. I'd like to welcome you to a very special session of The Rabbi and the Therapist. I'm Rabbi Yisrael Bernath. I'm here with Dr. Asal Romanelli. Many of you already know him. He's become so popular in our programs <laughs> here. So uh, I'm not going to give the full introduction to Dr. Romanelli, but I can tell you that I was listening to his podcast this morning. And if you haven't signed up for his podcast, it's Potential State Podcast. It's on everywhere you can get your podcasts. And he said... Um, he said something very profound, and I just want to start off with that. Dr. Romanelli, you said um, there's no growth in the, in the uh, comfort zone, and there's no comfort in the growth zone. And I think that's that right. such a powerful uh, idea that, you know, if you want to change something, which means if you're not happy with everything you've done in your relationships until now, you can't expect that if you're doing the same thing over and over again, that it's going to be any different than it's been for the past however many years you've been doing that. So you need to change that, but there's no comfort in that. And that's difficult because we like to be comfortable. We like to right. have our little security blankets and there's no comfort in the growth zone and growing is very difficult. So I wanna just give a shout out to that brilliant concept. Once again, you guys can tweet it. There's no comfort in the growth zone, no growth in the comfort zone, but make sure to tag Dr. Romanelli. Yeah, but it's not mine. So you don't have to say bye, but I just want to say one more thing about that. Apropos today, we're going to be talking about a lot of questions and I actually want to open this with this frame because this came in the conversation of fake versus natural. And for a lot of us, well, I want to be natural. I want to be natural. Tell me what to do. But then everything we're going to be telling you today will not feel natural to you. So I'm inviting you instead of saying, well, this is fake. This is never going to work. This is not me to saying exactly you're, you want to grow. You're in this. I hope you, I'm hoping you came here because you want to grow and not just complain. If you want to just complain, then that's, that's great, but that's not going to help you grow. So everything you're going to be hearing today, I'm inviting you to come um, with soft eyes, shall we say, it's like, let it, let it in softly, digest it a little bit. Don't, don't try to resist it or fight it back. This is all going to be new to you or might be asking you to, to expand your repertoire. So instead of saying, well, that's fake, that's false, that would never work, saying, okay, interesting. For those of you who are familiar with Dr. Romanelli's work, you know, let it land. Let it land. Let exactly. it land. And from now on, let's stop saying Dr. Romanelli and Asael and move on. <clears throat> okay, Asael, let's, let's let it all land. So let's get started. We're going to dive right into it. Once again, you can use the chat box to continue to submit questions, you can submit them as direct messages to myself or Asael, and, or you can do it publicly, depending on what you like, or you can send us, at this point, you can't send us emails. We're not gonna be looking at our email, but- um, I, have, yeah. let, Let's send it to me. I have a small screen, so I'm not really looking at the chat. So if you have a private chat, you wanna send it to uh, Rabbi Bernath, please? 
Because okay. I'm not following the chat so much. Okay, so I'd rather just send they send it to you. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So let's get yes. started with. Um, hey. Hold on one second. I am just answering a bunch of people who did not get the login. For some reason, I'm not sure why some people didn't get the login because we sent it out a couple of times. But of course, we always make, need to make sure that everyone- So while you say that, I'm just gonna say to the people, you take a second. Um, sure. Thank you. For those of you who haven't seen the previous, we had a previous video installment of the therapist and rabbi talking about dating. So we definitely, you can find that also on Facebook and also on YouTube, and I'm sure Rabbi Bernath will send it to you. And I also made another video of about my 10 tips for dating, which I will also send to you guys in an email afterwards. You'll get two follow-up emails, one from Rabbi Bernath, one for me, with additional resources and videos and podcasts. Okay. All right. Amazing, amazing. Let's go. Okay. So. Um, wait, 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 wait. Let's do a little bit of pulse check. Can you guys each just write one word in the chat? Why are you here? How are you feeling? Just in the chat, just like happy, scared, anxious, tired. Let's just get a little bit of a pulse check because it's weird going to talk for two hours to learn. Nice. What else? Zombie. Nice. Just, just, just throw some stuff out. I just want to get a little bit of a pulse check. A little bit tired, but happy to be here. Yeah, Sunday morning vibes. Here to learn. Okay, okay. And if there's one thing that, what would be the one thing that would make this time worthwhile for you? Just write in one word. Like, what would make the next two hours worth your time? Well, somebody writes, I'm tired of the search. Oh, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. What else? What else? Send some more stuff. What would make happy it? Happy to be here. Yeah. If you two keep teasing each other, <laughs> <laughs> brought my perspective, great. Okay, this is just a understand the mystery of the male mind. <laughs> All right, good. Okay, I just wanted to kind of just a little bit to see if people are, are listening. Okay, tired. Okay, I'd okay. like to also make a mention last night after Shabbat when I turned on my phone to find out what was going on in the world, aside from politics, which we're not gonna talk about, um, I found out of the passing of Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, a very special yeah. rabbi, former chief rabbi of England. And I think uh, it would be nice for us to dedicate our session to his memory today. That's great. And his, uh, his memory should be for a blessing. And one more thing, the session is being filmed. So if you are going live, just know that this will be recorded. But you should know that right now, the people who are going to be seeing the film, all they can see is the two, the, the two boxes, uh, okay. the two pictures of the, uh, Asael and myself. Um, unless you go live and you un unmute yourself, you will not be seen. You are completely anonymous. So don't worry about that. All right. Let's, let's do it. Okay. So our first question for this morning. Um, Again, we're going all over the place here. There's no special order to it. We're just gonna bring up the questions as they came in. So number one, how and when should one bring up finances while dating? Me, you, who wants to start? Um, I, I, I guess I can, I can get it started if you want to, I, I can answer this one. Um, I think that it's very important to know the expectations of the other person as to what kind of lifestyle they expect to have. Do they want to work in a, a nine to five? Do they have a hobby, a job, or they're at home self-employment, or they're you know willing to just take care of the home? 
Do they expect to make a ton of money, not to be home much? I think these are really important questions people should be asking during the dating process. Are there expectations in line for what you see for yourself? This is the number one, um, maybe I'm, I'm overstepping here, but Asal, you can tell me. I believe this is the number one cause of marital problems. And when it What's comes the number to one? The money? Finances, money. And it needs to okay. be brought up directly and honestly during the dating process. So what I would say is if you're religious dating, if you're shidduch dating, I would say four dates. If you're secular uh, dating, I would say four months. Generally, I say one date is worth one month versus religious versus secular. When That's you say my... four dates, you mean on the fourth date or by the fourth date? By the fourth date. Hey, it's interesting. This one to one, it's like the one, the sh a shidduch date is like a month. Yeah, it's like well, dog years. You like dog years? Like one year is like seven years. I guess. No, because because on the shidduch date, it it's so intense, and you're also yeah. very focused on marriage. So it is like right. one month. Where in the right. secular world, it. you're playing, you're going out to movies, you're yeah. doing whatever you're doing. So and that's why I've over the years I've developed this one date versus one, one month seven ratio. Okay, I get it. I get it. So I want to say one thing because for those of you who saw the last installment, I really believe in reframing dates as play dates not as soul dates because soul, the soulmate thing we'll talk, I'm sure it's going to come up. It's putting a lot of pressure. Last time we had an interesting question. How and when do I bring up um, medical issues? Right. And, and we yeah. said, and I, I came up with this, like the more it's an issue, the earlier you bring it on. Mm -hmm. I gave the example of me being colorblind. Do I need to bring that in a second date? Is it, I mean, I'm half colorblind. Is it like really, but if I had a very serious illness, I might bring it earlier. I think it's like this. I, 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 I don't know if money is the number one. I feel like money is the number one under-discussed topic in couples, okay? Um, actually, a lot of couples are happy to not talk about money, but have this kind of implicit arrangement between them. What I would say is this. I would say, how much is money an issue right now in your life? And it can go two ways. It can be, I'm from a very rich family, and I want to make sure you love me because of my money. And it could be for something like, I have very little money, and I'm very... Um, I'm very self-conscious about that. It's not manly, especially men that are not making enough money or women that are making more money than men they're dating. And I think if this is an issue for you, because money in Hebrew is kesef, and kesef is the verb of kisufim, of wanting something. So oftentimes money actually represents something you're longing for, something you're wanting. You have an issue with it. So my advice, like anything else, let's say, I say obviously you want to talk about it, but you want to bring it in playfully. It cannot be a heavy topic. And you find a way to bring it up in a sense of that you bring it from a one down position, unless you are very, very clear with what you want. But I, I, this is the tip for all of these topics. There is no, I don't believe there's like an order when you should be saying it. I think what, what's important is that you speak your mind, but you add enough play. We spoke about plays being the oil that helps these play dates move. So definitely bring it up, especially if it's a big issue for you, especially if you have a very clear vision of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and expectations. Do I expect to be a stay-at-home mom? Do I not? And I, I think this is one thing I want to say to you guys. And, and let's let's release the fantasy that what we talk about in date three will be relevant in year three. Thank you. Thank you right? for saying that. And I always say that if the people, when they're dating, if they knew what was important in marriage, they'd have a whole different set of issues. Yes, yes. And I think also um, people say a lot of things when they're dating to impress you. So don't go back and say, well, you told me on our third date that you, you want a strong, powerful woman, and now you want me to be a stay-at-home mom. And I've been, I've been going with that for like the past two months that you said that on third date. Well, 
why do you assume? Just ask, ask again and ask again. Don't assume things, just ask. And I, it's even as simple as the check thing, you know, bringing out the wallet at the end of the dates. Like every single time, just put it pay? out there. You pay? What? Yeah, just put it out there. Be playful about it. Stop hold. The more it's going to be a dramatic conversation in your mind, the more it's going to be a dramatic conversation in the date. And how do you practice that? You start talking about money, not just on your date. All of these tips, playfulness, coming loose, being, you know, in your body, you need to practice that when you're not on a date. So when it comes on a date, you can actually say, yeah, That's yeah right. money is an issue. I grew up with not a lot of money or I've always worked. I've always lived under my means and I don't want to ever be overdraft. I really enjoyed this idea of the play date and the playfulness. And, and I was saying to someone this week is, you know, based on what you said, that I think that you should be playful with your friends and be playful with your family and do it now. Don't expect you're going to just walk into a date and all of a sudden, boom, you're going to go on the playful thing. Right. I mean, it's too, we spoke last time about the yin and yang is playfulness and own your shtick, own your shadow. Know your, know your, your negative traits. I'm putting that in like bunny ears. You only, I'll send this also in the video. You can, you have to practice it outside of the date. It does not magically happen. I hear this all the time. When I meet the right guy or the right woman, It'll be natural. That's not going to work. It rarely works like that. You need to practice. It's a muscle in the gym. Practice play. Practice being vulnerable with your brother, sister, parent, neighbor, roommates. You, it just it won't happen naturally. There's no magic in there. I can tell you because I taught myself, and it took me years. If you think, do you think that everybody can be playful, or you think there's some people who just aren't playful? If you give them, here's the here's the caveat. Yes, if they want to be playful. What does that mean? What does want mean? I want to be playful. I'm just like, you know, I'm this very uh, introverted, very, you know, just kind of in my box kind of person. I like everything the same. I always go to the same restaurants. I always right. buy the same thing. I go up the same aisles in the shopping. You know, when I go shopping, everything has to be just so. So I don't just, you know, I'm just not a playful kind of person. But let's, rep let's replace not a playful to control. Uh, what you were describing is I need to have control and play, you're right. Play is the antidote. I don't know if it's the antidote, but it's not exactly the opposite, but it's very, you have to let go of control for that. But I'll go back to that guy and I'll say to you, well, how hungry are you to be more playful from one to 10? But why do I, so why can't I have control? I want to have control. I think you I can have, have as much. Life is very good. That man will not change until he either hits rock bottom or reality forces him to change. And here's the sad reality that I, and neither can Rabbi Bernath, want this more than you. If you don't want to be, you are going to be, you're the weakest link in your own growth. If you don't want to be playful, you see, here's a lot of times you say, well, tell me, Dr. Romanelli, why should I be playful? It's your life. If you're feeling bored, if you're feeling lonely, if you're being rigid and your life is, and you're a four to sixer, you have a very limited emotional range. Then what maybe, is a four to sixer? I don't know what that means, a four to sixer. So I'm just adding more. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're at, you're, I mean, you're giving us these lingos. I love the lingo and we're always, we're picking up on your terminologies, but four to six is a new one for me. So let's talk about this. Okay. So the emotional range is between one and 10 and at one edge, one is like deep, deep depression, anguish, pain, and 10 is ecstasy and joy. So most of us don't want to feel the one to three range, right? We don't want to feel the negative, right? So you block it away. We, we, we stay away from them, but that the tax for one to three is you don't feel seven to 10. So you slowly become a four to sixer. Your life is between four and six. Eh, eh. You have a very narrow emotional range. And then you will attract your life other four to sixers. 
And the key, uh, the episode is called the key to your joys and your pain. You want to feel seven to 10? You want to feel play? You want to feel ecstasy? You want to feel spontaneity? You want to feel imagination? You got to go into the one to three, but you need to practice that. That is a gym. So that is part of the four to six or so that man who has a lot, it was very, very rigid or woman, doesn't matter. They need permission to play and play is not just fun and silliness. It's also meeting other parts. It's being visceral. It's owning your shadow. It's going into your shtick. It's crying and laughing. It's bringing all of that. And that a lot of people are not used to. I'm going to attract someone with a similar emotional range than I am. What if I'm the kind of person who likes someone with a lot more emotional range and I'm less emotional? Why would I be attracting someone with the same emotional range? So here's the thing. If somebody's a four to six, there'll be two types I'll see. I'll either attract a four to sixer or I'll attract a one to three, seven to 10 drama queen. Okay. And notice what we'll both, we, we both won't be able to meet because you only can date, you will only marry someone at the same level of differentiation, same level of core beliefs, the same ability to be intimate, the same ability to be open and vulnerable, always, even if it's a shidduch. And, every, and I work a lot with the Haredi community in Israel, and I always ask him, was this the first man or woman offered to you? And they usually say no. Right? Because even if it's a shidduch, we're, unless it's very extreme and you have to, you always can say no, right? Right? Yeah. I remember now. The no. fact that you said yes, somewhere, somewhere, and this is unconscious thing. This is, we, in psychodrama, we call this tele. It's within seconds, you just feel it. You feel it. Okay. That, you call that chemistry. that gut? I mean, psychodrama, yes, but in, in dating, I don't want to always just feel it. I need to also have a little bit of sechel. I need to also have a little bit of knowledge and knowing. Right, but, but, but this is what I say to you when, when I work with singles. Like, the best... Um, feedback to your growth is what men or women are you attracting to dates? That is your benchmark. If you're meeting the same type of guy or the same type of woman again and again and again, you're probably not doing more work on yourself because you can only attract people at the same level of differentiation. Same person, different face. And again, what is differentiation? Just to clarify. The ability to be myself and to be close to someone else. Ability to be myself and to be close to someone else. So I'm, it's not an either or. I don't have to choose. I'm either being big or being together. Same kind of person with their ability to be themselves and close to someone else as I am. Yes. And that's why we always say, I see this a lot with women. Well, I call it the emotional queen and the, uh, the intimacy queen and the emotional handicapped. Where they assume that all men are emotionally handicapped and they're so, it's, it's not, it never works like that. Even if, even if it looks Alpanav, on the surface, it looks like your partner is much less emotionally intelligent. The fact that you are dating again and again, the fact that you are in this pattern, because I'm reminding you in couples therapy, um, relationships a pattern. You can only build a pattern with someone at the same level as you, even if you think you're much more mature or emotionally intelligent, because how do I know? Because you're doing the same dance. Right. I want to just clarify, because I keep on getting questions about the four dates versus four months. So I, I just, I think maybe some people don't know, but in the religious world, in the shidduch system, um, it's a very, the, the dates are much more structured. It's not like you're just going on a free date. The dates are, it's two people who have the intention of getting married. Most of, depending on your religious community, um, uh, especially the more Haredi communities, the more religious communities, um, 10, 15 dates is a lot already. 10 dates is a lot. So. Yeah. When I say four dates to four months, I mean, or 10 dates to 10 months, because let's say it would take a year for a secular couple to get engaged. Well, 10 dates, I would say is even a lot for 
many religious people to get into. And so you know what? And if, if that is the reality, so the stakes are much higher. So right. you need to really come after you've worked out, after you are ready to be playful on one hand, but you are very comfortable in your own skin, especially in your flaws, especially in your shadow. If you want to speed that, that process up, that's my suggestion to you. It's interesting because I get, a, I mean, again, I'm, I'm generalizing it, but I get from the religious community and people going on these shidduch dates that people become very self-absorbed because the stakes are so high. And I think that this playfulness is so much more important because it just becomes like this job interview. Oh, who are you? What are you? Family. It's like, you know, it, there's no playfulness. There's no spontaneity in it because everything is so structured. So I think it's even more important to have that that spontaneity and that playfulness in the it's almost like you know I, I i'm i think i have this vague memory i hope i'm not inventing it i think on my first date with my wife we started with the with the resume so okay i'm just gonna press play i'm gonna give you the one minute synopsis let's just get knock that out of the way if you feel like that is becoming a hindrance to you i just pre prepare one pager and just email it just yeah. get that out so you can move on because at the end of the day yeah. you want to feel the knock chemistry out of the way let's just do the resume now and let's knock it out of the yeah. way and then we can have a date it's almost like I'd prepare this questionnaire. Maybe we'll have it on Jay Montreal. Top yeah. 20, you know, those 50 questions to fall in love, but I wouldn't do those. I would do the top 20 questions that are either financial, um, uh, financial, family, but I don't know, whatever questions you need to know, preempt that already, have it ready and then hammer through it so you can move on. Yeah. And here, and I, this is, I'm sure there's going to come up shame, right? Shame, but I'm embarrassed. I only have one sibling. I don't have any sibling. I'm living with my parents. Whatever your shame point is, whatever your shame point is, be own your shtick enough, feel comfortable enough with your shadow that you can just bring it and be playful with it. Yeah. For instance, with my nose, I often say I did a nose enlargement. Is it possible to ask a question? Uh, we're going to have questions soon. We're going to have questions soon. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know when you can unmute and ask questions. We're just going to go through questions we've gotten in advance because we want to get um we want to give those priority and then in this probably it's the second hour about a half an hour from now we'll let you uh, unmute so um anyways so not taking yourself too seriously is super important especially because think about it the more you get stressed the more the stakes are high you're putting on more makeup and more makeup and 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 you're trying to be more and more amazing but at the end of the day that's not reality you are not going to be that person and neither will the other person so i'm not saying it's not you don't have to put makeup on but like how can we knock off the logistics so we can actually have time to see if we can play together? And I will send you also, I see people are asking me a lot about play. I will, I'm just writing down the, the topics that I want to send to you. Yeah, I think um, that playfulness is such an important thing. People, a lot of people don't know what playfulness is and how to do playfulness. It's, it's, I, I can tell you for a lot of people, it's a completely foreign idea. So I think it's so, so important to be able to, um, to have that playfulness. I wanna just go into another topic here because it keeps, it keeps on coming up. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you an example of something that happened. I set up a couple on a date last week and she said, now this is dating during pandemic. This is the topic, okay? okay. She said she doesn't look good on Zoom. She doesn't like the way she looks. She doesn't feel comfortable having the first meeting on a Zoom. And he said, my parents are, uh, are older. I don't feel comfortable going out, period, right now. What do we do during this pandemic? Do you have any ideas of what people can do? A, the questions are, what kind of activities can people do together? And B, if you have a situation, I'm using an extreme example, the situation where somebody doesn't wanna go out, 
but also the other person. And I believe that's legitimate. They don't look good on Zoom. They don't, they don't think they look good on Zoom. And so they don't feel comfortable doing that first date on Zoom. What do we do during the pandemic to be able to allow these dates to happen? Wow, because this goes into also self-esteem and body image issues. And do I look nice enough? And do I look pretty enough? And I must, I have to own my shtick and say, as a man, I have not grown up with psychological patriarchy where I have to look, I have to put on makeup every day and put, pluck hairs out of my face every single day. So I, I'm going to own that. Okay. I'm not going to pretend, oh, it's to ignore how you look. Cause I know there's a double standard. I want to say this, like, it's a bit weird for me because in Israel, people go out much more. I guess it's a bit more tight in North America. I'm just saying that. So it's hard more than others. And also people have that have older parents or people that are more, um, you know, more susceptible. They're more, they're, they're more careful than others. So I would say this, I would say, I like, for instance, I don't do therapy on phone. I do, I'll do Zoom therapy and I need, I need to see the other person. Okay. If you really don't feel comfortable and the other person's okay with it, then go with it. But if at a certain point you feel like this is what's gonna, like, wouldn't you rather, assuming, like, let's be realistic, okay? Let's say you looked 30% less good on, on, on Zoom, 20%. Like, it's not like it's 50%. It's like you're like, from like a model, you're becoming like, oh, like an old. So I'm thinking, if you feel like you're going to miss this opportunity because you're, you feel like you don't look good, well enough, so A, I would own it, I would say it. And maybe we'd start the date with, uh, with, with talking, just audio. But I think it'd be a good experience for you because there's going to come a day really, really soon where you, after you get married or if you're secular or whatever, that they're going to see you without makeup. They're going to see you in your pajamas. Like it's going to happen sooner or later. First date. What? doesn't mean you should do that on the first date. No, I'm not saying the first date. But if you feel like this could be a deal breaker, if you're like avoiding doing the video Zoom and you might lose this opportunity, then I say take that chance. I mean, you can always talk to the person and say, listen, I don't feel like... What's wrong with saying that? Just say it. So you think timing is important. You think that timing is, is essential. So if you're not ready, probably if you're making up an excuse, there's other reasons why you're not, you're not wanting to go on this Zoom date. No, I, I think it's legit that you have an insecurity and you feel like you don't look good at Zoom. A, say it. Don't make up excuses why you can't do it. My camera broke. My phone is not updated. Like, don't do that. The second you're going into, um, let's not call it lies, let's call it, um, inaccuracies or omissions, you're already, you're already starting the date, you know, in self-presentation. And then here's the thing. One of the best movies, the ones where when they met, he never told her that, you know, that's the whole plot of the movie. She doesn't know that she's actually his boss. She doesn't, he doesn't know that he has a kid from, and then, and then we're busy, you know, thinking about all, what didn't we tell them? Instead of just saying, listen, Moshe, you look like a great guy. I just need to tell him, like, I'm not so sure about Zooms. I'm not really. First of all, say it. You will feel so much better after you say it. Yeah. And then see how he reacts. He might actually have a positive reaction. He might say, okay, I get now, it. What about, what about activities? I mean, we're getting a lot of questions. What do, what do we suggest that people do during this pandemic? How do you have a date now that is socially distanced, that is that is okay, that people can feel comfortable. For example, in Montreal, just giving you an example, you cannot sit down in a restaurant right now. There's no ability to sit down. Can you take a walk in a park? You can take a walk in a park. It would be a beautiful day today. So yes, but unfortunately, um, you know, I mean, I know that we all live in denial, but in the next few weeks, it is going to get too cold for that. 
Okay, so first of all, I want to say something about eating. It's also in the video I'm going to send you. I love eating on dates. I think you guys should always eat on dates. Don't do the whole I ate at home. Why? Because you want to feel alive. I don't think you should eat on dates. I disagree with you. What? What? <laughs> yes, I think it's more about that. Very... More about that. I, I, I don't. First of all, I don't like eating in public. Period. Yeah, we know that. That's a different story. That's a different talk. We'll talk about the next time. <laughs> but I, I think I don't know. I think that it. it it's a different level of vulnerability eating on a date. Maybe not everybody, uh, maybe yeah, everybody wants to see you eating. It looks a little disgusting. Exactly. Yes. Thank you. Because eating is vulnerable. It's not only that. I'm seeing this a lot with people recently because when I'm eating, that means I'm craving something. And it's like a little shadow. It's like showing a little shadow. Like I want something. And that's what I want to see, especially if you're a foodie. If you're a foodie and you do not eat on dates, you are, you are, gonna it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna hurt your radar to see if this is good if especially if i'm not even a foodie like galit's a foodie my wife but like part of it's being alive it's also saying it's your signal to the other person i'm not taking myself too seriously because then what happens you're creating this false facade as if you're somebody who loves salads and never eats well it's not true because you do i'm not saying the whole thing needs to be about every single ketchup or whatever you're eating but have it be a visceral, full date, especially if you're, if, if say, Haredi, you don't have a lot of time. I want to knock off. I want to see, I want to see, can I eat next to this person? Can, can I show this? And again, but you need to practice eating next to other people. It's like Rabbi Bernath, you're not comfortable eating next to other people. How are you going to eat on a date? And I love the fact that you said it's vulnerable. Well, you know what? You're dating to see if you can be vulnerable with this person. And here's another thing. People are always afraid that I might be vulnerable. He, not, he might not be interested. Well, that's their loss. Basically, you're one to work on the muscle of being vulnerable. Without, we call this, uh, so we, I want to, something, open parentheses about intimacy, right? So there's two types. There's other validated intimacy, which means I'm only going to open up if you open up. I'm going to only open up if, if you respect this, if this is a safe space. And if it's not, I'm not going to open up. The problem with that, and we all start from that space. But the problem with that is that the other, you're giving the key to the intimacy to the other person. So you're actually holding back with sharing because you're waiting for Israel to finally ask me about how my day was. I can spend weeks, minutes, hours on a date with just waiting. And then I feel like a victim and then I'm blaming you for not asking. I'm inviting you to switch that and go to self-validated intimacy where I'm going to share stuff because I want to be present right now. And here's, here's, the, here's the bonus. If you do that very quickly on the date, you will know with, whether this person can roll with you, whether this person can be this honest with you. And I'm not saying you open up your darkest secrets in the five minutes, but yeah, you need to be, feel comfortable in your own skin eating next to another person. I love that this is a discussion. Yes. That's yes. Difficult. It's funny because in the Shidduch world, in the religious dating world, a lot of matchmakers will tell you, do not eat on your date. Why? One of them. <laughs> I say that to a lot of people. No, but why? Because it's taking up time? Because it's taking up time? No, there's a certain, um, maybe there's a certain intimacy there that is not ready yet. We're not ready yet for that. Maybe you're exposing a certain part of yourself that um, is not is not proper. You know, this is very common in the religious world. It's a very big deal. A lot of matchmakers say no going out to eat on your date. Period. Well, I, I'm a big, well, we're talking about play and spontaneity. And the second you come in with, I say the Alta, I say like, no, no. It's like, I feel like it's like super, you're like, oh, God will punish you if you eat on the date. How can you have fun like this? Like, oh, don't eat on date. Like, oh, like we have so much guilt as Jews. Can we soften a little bit of the guilt when we go on a play date to see if this person, if I can have fun with him? 
Like if I'm so obsessed with what, like what's not and what's right and what, you know, the whole algorithm, we spoke about this last time. What do I say? When do I say, do I say I like you? Do I say I really like you? Like that is so much energy. And you could just find that out by just saying it, by just being more spontaneous. Now I'm saying, if you don't want to eat, don't eat. Like don't force yourself to eat. But if you're at a coffee shop and suddenly see, ooh, they have a really good cheesecake and your mouth starts watering, I hope that you'll say, let's go for the cheesecake. And you can even say, listen, I know this is a no-no, but like mommy wants to eat this cheesecake or I really want it. Like, why not? Why not? Be yourself at the end of the day. Like, but this is the whole thing. You want them to get so to know you. So much at stake. There is so much at stake, not including yeah. the steak. Exactly. But with that mentality, you know, I, I want to say one thing about play and game. We do this in every webinar, but let's do it again. The difference between game and play is game. There's winning and losing their rules. Okay. Monopoly, chess, mortgage, your life, dating. Okay. But game, but play is a state of mind. It's a softening of perception of reality, not taking myself too seriously or the date or the world. A lot of us are in game without play. That's when we burn out. That's when we feel like imposters. A lot of these serial daters, they've seen, they see dates as games. They've lost the play. And what I'm trying to encourage you guys is to bring the play into the game. That's part really, of being different game and play. I have to really wrap my mind. Yes. Around. If I'm on a date and it's all game for me, there will be no play. There'll be no synergy, no curiosity, no potential state, no, no uh, wonder. Like, like get away from me. You, you know, like, uh, you know, I got to make sure that everything is just, it's just so. Yeah. And then there's no, there's no space for thirdness. There's no space for something new. To, I mean, the best dates are the dates when something happens that's fresh, that's new. So and game think, is where you're winning and losing and play is where there's spontaneity. Is that yeah. the basic difference? So the, the basic difference is game. There's a winner and loser. There's rules. I say the alta, I say what's allowed and what's not allowed. And the point is to win. Play. Uh, let me give you a metaphor. When my daughter, who's six years old, plays with her babies, with her dolls, okay? There's no point. She can play that for hours. But wait, inside the play, there's softness, but there's anger, there's vitality, there's, there's imagination. A lot of us are really good at game and not so good at play. And, and by the way, game, your work, going to work every day, is it game or play? And, and Stephen Achmanovich talks about when you put play in the game, that's when the game turns into free game. It turns into, that's when you feel, ah. <gasps> And my, that's why I want to reframe dates as play dates to emphasize the play and not the game. Even though we say he's a player. So I want to reframe that and say, yeah, be a capital P player, a person that can play. And for that, eating is a classic playground. And we said this last time, when our kids go on a play date, Yisrael, the first question you ask is- What did you eat? What yes. did you eat? Yes, I yes. agree. Yes. So, okay, let's, I mean, if, we're, if, we're, if we do this for every question, we're- um, did not get it. Please repeat. Yes, play. <laughs> Soften perception of reality. I think, Asael, you don't realize how difficult this is for people. You, to you, it's natural. For a lot of people out there, this is a very difficult thing, this idea of play. I mean, it's something that keeps to be a recurring theme in all of our discussions over, over the past number of months now, because I think it's so foreign, so foreign. Because there, you know, it, it is all about the game. It is all about this, this, you know, everyone has to be in control. And yeah. you're saying, let go. And there's a lot of vulnerability in that. And that's scary. Yeah. yeah. On the other hand, I'll tell you what, because if you're too much in, in game, there is no imagination and you either burn out or you feel like imposter syndrome. And I want to say, I want to share that. It's, it, how did I get to, I find that the less, this is going to sound really provocative maybe, but like, it's those people that are not impressive, that are not 
extra beautiful or extra smart that have actually grown up a little bit in the shadows. Wait, are, are you here? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, it's easier for me to play because I, I don't have a high perception of myself. I never took myself too seriously because I was never either a rock star. I was never an athlete or a model. Like I was just average. So I don't take myself so seriously. And I think maybe it's also a North American PC thing. You want to always be polite, but you have to be a little bit playful because if not, and I'll send you the episode about this, life becomes very rigid and boring. Right. And you're right. This is a muscle. And maybe, maybe we need to do a whole webinar just on play and game. Well, it's really interesting because you know, someone just asked a really interesting question also. If someone is playful, but under that is very controlling. Well, that's not playful, right? That's called start- sarcasm. Right, exactly. And a lot of people do that. So, and, and if you call them out on it, say, oh, that's being sarcastic. <laughs> don't do that. I mean, you know, like, and so you, you can, you can, people, yeah, it's interesting, these examples on play, maybe we should do a, a, a podcast on play, because we have so many questions to get to today. And I want to, I want to get to some of those questions. I just want to finish off this. Particular- so uh, just one example on play. Mm, there's a cheesecake. Well, I know I shouldn't eat it because it's a no, no, but I really want it. That is play. I'm, I'm saying the thing. I'm not taking myself too seriously. It's not going heavy. I'm just that, that is a soft, Play does not mean playing charades. That is the exit. Yes. Yeah. So um, I just want to get back to this because it keeps to be a recurring theme right now. Let's give some examples of what people can do. Let's say you are going out now and let's say the restaurants are closed and you can't sit down and eat. What, what can we do? You can go walk in the park for now. Let's say you can't walk in the park. Let's say you live in a place. I know this is very hard for you to, to, to understand this in Karsaba, but let's say there's no restaurants open, which means indoor spaces are a no-no, and it's too cold to go for long walks in the park. What do you do? And uh, So each one of you prepares your top five YouTube clips, and then what you do, you do a Zoom date, which each one of you shares two or three of your best moments, that clips of a TV show, assuming you have screens, or is that also off the limit? I don't know. Okay, I'm saying like, I can show you, first of all, I'd show you a little bit okay, my that's clinic. one example. So your five best tips. Let's, let's give some other examples. Let's say you don't- Show them around, give them a tour of the house. Okay. How about you cook something and I cook something and we'll share why we like this cooking. Or let's send each other a men, uh, recipe, you make it and imagine that we ate it and let's discuss this. Okay. Or I'm gonna give you five different books that really influenced me. Google them and see and like, guess yeah. why. Okay. Well, here's five uh, pictures that I sent you. Play a game, it's not, it's a virtual field, someone just said. That's really good. Yeah, but again, it's less game, more play. Less game, more play. So, um, or just so, whip out cards, like association games, like anything that you can be as alive as you want. By the way, you know what? Here's a tip. Here's my first tip. Turn off your self-view on Zoom. Oh, Turn wow. off your self-view on Zoom. Every single time I do a Zoom session, I do a lot of Zoom therapy. First thing I'll do, I'll turn off my Zoom. And you I don't want them. to see yourself. You just want to see the other person. The only time you see yourself is on Zoom. And day, 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 you never see yourself. And the Good second point. I see myself, I'm always like, and now, by the way, I'm not seeing anybody else except for you, Islam. And that's allowing me to be a little less self-conscious. We are so self-conscious anyways. It's called self-presentation. So let's minimize the self-consciousness by taking off your self-view. And then if I have something here, I'd love for if being a date and say, oh, by the way, you have like, that, if you can get that, that is amazing. Wow. Marry that person who dares to say that to you. Boom. Because that's what's going to happen. Boom. Yes. Take off your self view. There it is. There's the tagline. Hashtag take off, turn off your self view. Okay. Tarte mashma. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, take off your self view. Stop being so scared of being exposed. 
And if you know what, and here, because why are we afraid of this? No, I have to say this. Why are we afraid? I see this all the time in therapy because if they really saw me, they wouldn't want me. If you have that core belief, it is time for us to have a talk because that has nothing to do with whether you look good or not on Zoom. That is your low self-esteem, okay? And you've probably inherited that from your family of origin or for whatever happened to you and we can help you with that. But if that is your core belief, it's going to be very hard for you to date no matter in what dimension or planet you date on. That's your a good job is cool of when you need therapy. I, I like that. There's a difference between, you know, sometimes people say, well, do I need therapy? Do I have to work on this? That's something that has to be worked on. Now, I don't know if, like, listen, I'm not the type of therapist that everybody needs therapy, but if you have this core belief that if I tell my truth, people will leave me. And by the way, a lot of people have that, then that is something you need to work on, not just on your dates, before your dates, because that is going to manifest. That's why I don't want to eat next to him. That's why I don't want to do the Zoom next to him. That's why I don't want to tell him about my family. And then I'm basically hiding all this, all these, all these shadows. And then, but here's the tax and I'll send you a, uh, I'll send you a video of, um, if you really want to be loved, show your shadow. The only way you'll ever feel loved is if you will dare to show that shadow, show those sticks. I'm not talking about the first day, but overall in the early stages of relationship or else you will never feel loved because you'll always say to yourself, well, he says he loves me, but he has no idea that one, two, three, and four, and five. What, what is the shadow? I don't really, I mean, I, I know that it's a very common thing and people talk about it in, in psychology, but what exactly, if you can describe it in 30 seconds or less? No pressure. So shadow comes from the work of Carl Jung, who talked about those parts of ourselves that we deny, project onto others, minimize or blind ourselves to. Now, this is really interesting. Different people have different shadows. So the cultural shadows will be, let's, let's say it will be violence or sex, but people have different shadows. Like I, I'm noticing for men, if I have to do just really broad generalizations, for most women, their shadows, usually their assertiveness and aggression, not their anger, their assertiveness, their aggression, their all those parts. And for men, oftentimes it's going to be their vulnerability, neediness, dependentness. And what happens is I don't show that part. And every time I turn around, the shadow is always behind me. And then what happens is, and, and so, so the shadow, all those traits, and it can be a behavior. Like I'm, I'm jealous, jealousy. Like one of my shadows is jealousy, right? So I'm jealous often, but I don't want to talk about it. And I deny it. And I say, I'm not jealous, but I am. Part of the work is to take, because inside your shadow is your superpower. And every part of yourself, this is really important, has a positive intention. So instead of exiling those parts, exiling my jealousy, I take my jealousy and I start working with it and playing with it and talking about it and owning it and talking about it in a webinar where I'm supposed to be the expert, but I'm showing my shadow. And every time I share, talk about my jealousy, slowly I'm working with it because why, like for instance, the positive um, intention of jealousy is a map to what I want. So jealousy is also kind of a, a compass for me. Okay, good. And now I can bring it to Yislad. When Yislad has really good news and I, and I feel a little bit of jealousy, I can say to him, you know, Yislad, I love it. I'm so happy for you. Truth is, I'm also a little bit jealous. Mm -hmm. And suddenly the jealousy has become from like this big monster. Okay, it's also part of me. And here's the bonus. If I bring more parts of myself, then I'm forcing the other person, whether it's Yislad or the date or my partner or my wife or my roommate to also bring more parts of ourselves. Like and that. then we, we grow instead of having a very narrow dynamic, savior, persecutor, boss, yes. secretary. One of the things that we're going to start working on, we've been talking about is doing these small group sessions. And I yeah. think we should do one just on shadow and being able to allow people in the session. We're going to have four or five people in the session. That's it. I mean, I know we're, we'll send out the link again after this email to sign up for the various sessions, but let's just do one for those people who want to explore that and actually do that in real time. I think it's really, really amazing. And we'll have to think about the format of how to do that. Because yeah. for some people, it's really hard to even, even a one-on-one -on -one to open up the shadow. So anyways, we need to. Yeah, it's something yeah. to think about.
Yeah. Uh, before we continue, I just want to tell you, I got, a, I got a private message just now from someone and I want to read it to you because I think it's just so beautiful. Uh, I'm learning so much from these meetings and decided to use this time during the pandemic to practice some of these very new concepts to me. But the two of you have really brought to light some very interesting ideas. There's a, a private message right there. Okay, thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you, it's really special. Let's, let's move on and we have a couple more questions. We have a lot of questions. But I actually want to, I want to, I want to do a challenge for, for let's, let's, I want to use that. I'm inviting you, especially those who feel very, you know, the vulnerability and I want to, I'm inviting you before you send it privately, check with yourself. Can I send it publicly on the chat? Just, I want you to all, like use this webinar as a way to practice playfulness and not taking yourself too seriously. We're all here to learn. I don't know any of you. Like, I'm inviting you to think about that. Use, this is also a playground for you. This is a gym. This is a workout space for you. And we're happy to help in any way you want. Take it, use it, use it. Life is short. Yeah, next. It's really special. It's really, really special. Okay, um, next question. Does an emotional connection need to be in place before getting engaged or does it only come after marriage? Ooh, let's hear your answer first. Uh -huh. Mr. Good and say, let's hear what you'd say. Hey, what does that mean, emotional connection, by the way? Yeah, I, well, I guess there, I mean, people, you know, I think it's a big question because right. people feel like, especially in the religious world where you, you know, you don't have the, that level of vulnerability to a certain extent, it's a little bit more removed. Um, I think that in the religious world, in religious dating, you can begin to experience the potential for or the start of an emotional connection, but I don't know if you'll be able to really develop the emotional connection as to like, you know, like, I know this is the one. It's kind of like two magnets. This is my opinion, at least, that, that are attracted to each other, but they're still kind of far away and they can't touch yet, so to speak. But even though they can't touch, you can feel the pull. And that's how they know that they, when they do eventually touch, they will stick together. Again, I'm talking about people who are Shomer Nagi. I'm talking about people who are not able to touch um, in the dating process. Okay, so you, you have a presupposition there, which yes. is a, if there is the pull, let's call it tele, that, that psychodrama, that, that, that chemistry, that yes. it will for sure stick. That, that I want, I don't, I, 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 would, I, I don't know if this is allowed in the religious, in the Haredi, but like nothing is forever, no promises. Right. Everything is for now. If you feel that, like I'd say this, if you're more doing it out of fear or thinking there will be nobody else, that is not the right motivation. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. Right. But I, I think that- if there's more, wait, if there's more pull than push, yeah. can I use that metaphor? Sure then yes, I agree. I don't think, if, especially if you have 10 dates, you might not feel full emotional connection, but there needs to be that pull of like, I'm curious about that person. I feel like for me, the benchmark is, do, can I see myself being myself with this person? Or will I always have to eggshell around him? Or Which is very important because if you start off with a lie, like if you're putting out this big you know, resume about yourself and you can't keep up that lie, well, that lie is gonna continue and your relationship may just wither because you started it off on lies. I'll never forget there was one date. She was a daughter of an author. And I was like, I'm going to bust out the turtleneck and name drop books I just read. And whoever knows me, I, haven't, I only read nonfiction. So I read like four. And the, I thought I was, I mean, she never called me for a second date. But like, that's a classic example where I tried to be someone I'm not. Yeah. And, and 
let's say she we would have started dating sooner or later. I'd say, listen, I don't read fiction. Yeah. And I, I think that if you, it's interesting that you're saying that because if you feel that you, you know, the opposite of that, that you can open your emotions to this person completely and that's possible, then they're going to feel the same way. Like there is that yin and yang. There is that connection. There is that kind of chemistry. But what I'm, what I'm going to say, and maybe you'll disagree with me on this, is that emotional connection takes years to develop and it's the true work of marriage. And if you have it all figured out before you're married, what are you going to do for the next 30, 40 years? Just define emotional connection before I- uh... Most people feel like I have to know that it's all right, it's all perfect, that we have, a, we have it all. Or, or here's one, we fought. You know, and you've said this so many times, and I love when you say this, that rupture is amazing for relationships. You just need yeah. the repair. Like fighting right. is okay. People think, oh my gosh, we were in a relationship. And you know, if, if we're going to fight like this before we're married, well, what is going to happen after we we're married? So, so I, we're going to have a session about conflict in two yeah. weeks. So let's... Two weeks, but it's for people that are in relationships. Right. So, but a conflict is, is part of growth and there and is no growth. Relationship can come also, right? Right, obviously, but it's conflict is where you grow, and we'll talk about that in two weeks. But what I do want to say about what's emotional connect from my point of view, emotional connection means that I'm feeling something below the neck, below the neck and above the abdomen, if I need to be more precise, right? It's something here, and that even if you have you. I think you can have it. It's never ending. Like this will always change. As long as I'm feeling with this person, as long as it's not a neck up relationship, because either it looks good on paper or I just want to get married. Like yeah. if you feel a something, if there's, if there's an energy, if there's a curiosity, if there's a longing, if there's an itch, if I'm like, I enjoy spending time with this person more than I enjoy not spending time with them. I think that's a pretty good place to start. I don't think, especially if you're, if you're doing the shit and within 10 dates, you will not be madly in love. And, and I think even if you're not in the shit up world, when, again, you know, I, I sometimes set people up and they're like, no. I said, what do you mean, no? I didn't tell you to go to the chuppah. I just said, go check it out. Go see if it's okay. The, the first date should see, do I want to see this person again? The second date should be, do I want to see this person again? Not do I want to marry them. Not do I want to yes. be in this relationship forever. Do I want to see them again? Period. But I, so to add to it again, if, if we're going to reframe dates as play dates, then every time I get a phone number, it's another opportunity for me to grow, mm -hmm. to try out to be more myself, more vulnerable. And this is just a practice. You say practicum in Canada, like a stage? Stage. Sure, sure. It's a stage. Everything's a stage. By the way, your marriage is also a stage. It's all about you growing and hopefully you'll have your stage partner for 50 years, but you might not. So like, don't, if so when I get a phone call from the rabbi, it's like, okay, so let's, how can I be myself in this situation? Oh, wow. This person's different. Like if you can focus more on yourself, on your personal growth, than on pleasing, find, uh, to be liked by the other person, uh, that will revolutionize your dating. That's amazing. Let's write, let, let, let me say this out loud to see if this lands for me. If I could be more focused on my growth and my enjoyment, not that I just want to talk about myself, but like, I'm curious to see what else can I bring in this date? How can I be more myself? How can I share a bit more? How can I be more playful? It becomes almost like a, a fun experience and the dating doesn't become like a game. It's basically how do we bring play into the play date? Wow. And wow. I know that sounds weird to prioritize yourself, but do it. Okay, I want to go through so many questions here. I want to start going through these questions. Um, here's the next one. If a guy seemingly covers all your major non-negotiables, so this is from a woman, but there are some minor character flaws that stick out to you. 
and you just aren't sure whether the relationship will, will be what you need it to be, if it progresses to marriage, how do you know whether it's the person is the right fit for you? I understand that it's okay to say no or end things if the connection feels a bit off to you. And if the person's minor flaws are things that you can't get over, but I'm always worried about whether I'm being too picky and as a result could miss out on the right person for me. What do you say to that? I say to that three words, say the thing, say it. So what would they say? So for instance, uh, I love you, John. You seem like a great guy. There, there's this thing about the way you treat your parents. I don't know why. Something about the way you treat your parents. And maybe uh, it's an assumption of mine, right? It could be that it's yeah, not. Maybe, uh, but, but I'm doing it playfully. I'm not, it's not a, I'm not a judge saying you failed my test. No, it's like, listen, there's something with the way you treat your parents. Like, can you explain that more to me? Because it, it's coming off like you're very angry at them. And, and something about that, I don't know, it's like, and now I'm not saying this for you to get defensive, John. I'm not saying this for you to get defensive. John, I chose a non-Jewish name, whatever, John. <laughs> Moshe, okay? What do you mean John? Uh, John could be John. Jonathan, yeah, Jonathan, John. Yona, Jonah, right? <laughs> I can say that because A, this might be in my mind. This might be my fear of intimacy, right? It might. I might just, I might, I might just be looking to disqualify people. Like I told you last time I talked about the guy who said her skin was too pale. Really? You're not ready for marriage if that's how you're disqualifying a woman because her skin is too pale. Okay, but Naniach, Mele, Dayenu. But I know Dayen. that I'm attracted to olive green skin. I get that four times this week. Four times this week. What's with the olive green? Please tell me. You could be very happy with surrounding yourself with bottles of olive oil, but you're probably not. You won't be married anytime soon, Mr. Olive. Olive green. No, but I want to say that. So like, if there's something on your mind, then say it. Say it playfully. Don't go too dramatic. Squirt some play juice around. Get some like oil up that area, and then just say, "Listen, that's an issue." And you can even talk to. I'm a big believer in talking to yourself. Not everything you say has to be directed to him, and he has to reply. I can just say, "I don't know. Like, I'm kind of. Um, I'm not sure. This. Why is this him talking to his parents? Why is that rubbing me? Like, what is up with that?" Yeah. And don't and assume, ask. Don't assume. Just ask. It's that yes. That's why that's one thing I love about like, if I compare first dates to, to intake sessions in therapy, I love the first session because then I can ask anything. And we call this in Hebrew, shelat hatam. it's the innocent question. And I just could say like, what do you think about it? Why are you vegetarian? Like even just that simple question, why are you vegetarian? Or like this, the why questions you can ask in the beginning, really casually. And I think that curiosity is a great thing in relationships. Curiosity right. is amazing. And, and I think that I tell married couples that they should be curious about each other. Yeah. And don't try to be curious on what they're pitching you for. Mm -hmm. I'm working on a new book, hinted. No, what are you curious about? What did you start writing? What's yeah. your favorite book? Like, Why do you write? Why do you should... Yeah. If you were, if you wrote a book, I mean, if I was a book, what title would you give? Like, follow with what, what makes you curious and playful. Like, how do you measure? Okay, so, wow. Mears. Mears wrote an article about how do you measure if uh, improvisational intervention is good in therapy. And he says, the way you measure it, does it bring more vitality? It's what comes after that moment that can give you the feedback, whether it's worth it. So the next question should just be, what gives us more energy? And if this is a dead, if you're like asking questions about, and it's just going to die, change, say, sorry, whatever. Let's re refresh. Yeah. Let's go over here. Yeah. Okay. It's amazing. And, and wait, one more thing I want to say about that is balance that up, especially if you're in the Shidduch 10 date rule, Balance out deep conversations with purposeless conversations. 
It's also in the video. Conversations with purposes conversations. I like. It's like, you know, um, coffee or tea. Why? What's your favorite tea? Do you know, did you know that tea was, was not made in Boston? It was actually made in China. Like just allow yourself to kind of go different areas. So not everything is like, not every minute is heavy because you want to feel like there's an, this purposeless con- communication, this, these purposeless conversations will give you a little bit more of a, of a width so you can go higher. If it's a pyramid, you need a bit of a wider base, not just profession, education, and family, like Ben and Jerry's ice cream, tea or coffee, um, this favorite movie you liked, or just talking about random things like Ikea furniture and why. What does Ikea stand for in Swedish? Or like, I don't know, whatever. And like, so you have a bit more breathing space. So there's, so you can stay more in play. Okay, I want to get through all these questions because people are going to want to unmute themselves. So um, let's just uh, go through. Uh, here's another one I think is so important. How to stop thinking that every dating experience could result in being your sheriff. This is almost the opposite of the last one. Um, I feel that this that this hopeful uncertainty has impaired my ability to view the person I'm dating with a clear with a clear lens and has given me severe dating anxiety with every person I've dated. I feel yeah. it's hard to separate this feeling yeah. and have a more objective view of each person I date with the ultimate purpose of my dating is for marriage. Whoa, can you say game and not enough play? <laughs> yes. That is exactly game. That is a great game example is- of game. Yeah, that is, there's one person, you win or you lose. You find the beshert or you lose. That is game. So that's it. it. And people do that. Oh my gosh, he's Jewish. She's Jewish. She has a nose. He has a nose. This could be the one. And there's so much pressure. It's like a pressure cooker in people's heads. This could be the one. Relax. And all this, the funny thing is, what happens is sometimes in the more secular world, they meet the, the, the non-Jewish person and their guard is down. It's like, well, I'll never marry this person. And all of a sudden they have a good time because there's no pressure. Because they're more playful there. There's more play. Let's replace pressure with play. Switch from game to play. If you choose to believe- There's a lot of Jews in the world. There's more than enough Jews for everybody. If you're looking for a Jew, don't worry about this being the one. Yes. And and I'd add to that. If you choose to believe that there's more than one Beshert, it's there's more than one. What did you say? Godwin says you have seven people you met in your life that could have been it. What was the statistic you've got? You yeah, no, by the time you're 35, there's no, by the time you're 35, he says there's four people that you could have married that you dated. Okay. So if you're assuming that there's more than one person and it's not just the right person, it's the right time and the right person. The Talmud says that there's up to seven people that could be your soulmate. So it's totally legit on a psychological level. I feel, level. I feel like soulmate is game. It goes really heavy and the stakes are super high. Play date, I think, I don't know. You need to find what works for you guys. But what I do want to say here is like, just coming with that anxiety, it ensures that you will have a self-presentation. Say the thing, say the thing. I think that soulmates don't exist. Wait, boom, mic drop. Yeah, go on. I think that the soulmate that people think are soulmates has so much gain, so much pressure that that's not the soulmate we're talking about. Those soulmates don't exist and they never will. And that soulmate is yourself and you might as well get married to yourself if that's what you want. I did not expect you to say that. I love it. So let me yes and you and I'll say, instead of looking for a soulmate, look for a play date. Somebody I can be myself, I can be curious and I can grow next to. Because at the end of the day, that's what's going to keep you. I love that. 
That, that's the key. Curious and grow next to you. You got to just like write it down and say it. I'm looking for someone. I don't care about this. I don't care about that. The long laundry list I get from people, what they're looking for, curious and grow next to. Those Wait, and be myself. And be myself. Be myself, curious and grow next to. That is all we need to know about dating. If you can find somebody exactly. for that, they will make you happy. You will make them happy. And you guys will live a long and happy life forever after. No, for now. For now. Start the, in Avenue Q, the closing number is for now. That They have a whole song. Everything's for now. Except for death and taxes, everything is for now. And that's the song. Hmm? For now. Your hair, for now. Everything's for now. The second you go for it's for now. You know what's amazing is happily ever after is also for now. Right. What do you mean? I'm happily ever at, well, you can't at least, ah, it's for now. It's for now. Right. I can only, I can only promise Galit, my wife, for now, because tomorrow, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. That's why me and Galit, we, we talk a lot about, there's no such thing as unconditional love. There is no such thing. It's a fantasy because we're different people. We grow, we change. We are not the same person. Every seven years, every single cell of our body is different. We are not the same physical. We're not the same person. You can say that the Shema is ever. I would, and and if, you're, if you're not growing and if you're not actually becoming better, you're passively becoming lower. So you also are not the same person. Right. And that's why, will you always love me? I don't know. But for now, now I don't want to get taken to the other extreme of never marrying because marriage is a people growing mechanism. And we'll talk about that maybe in a different position, but like we're both uh, pro marriage. I, I think curious, I, I just want to curious slash playful because for me, play is curiosity. And play I, I, is grow. I, think that if, I would really um, like to work on this or, or listen to you a little more if you can develop this because there, people have these laundry lists of things right. that they're looking for. It's unbelievable what I hear from people. And the older they get, the longer the list. Yes, my favorite one of the week, and I'm not making fun of you if you're on this call, I'm just saying that it's just insane. I only wanna marry somebody that has a gummy smile. I'm serious, somebody asked me this. What's a gummy smile? Gummy smile, which means when they smile, they show some gum. Yes, that is so important. I said, oh, you have a gummy smile. Maybe he'll marry you. Let me think, let me think about that because I get it. I get it. I think for me, I'll, I want to share my personal journey because I, I was for years, uh, a miserable single. I thought I was happy, but at the end I dropped, I suddenly lost interest and I realized I need to do everything the opposite. So I started, I started with doing the opposite of everything we're talking about here, the game presenting turtleneck books at a certain point. I just, I kind of hit a, like a mini minor depression and then I was like what's the point and I stopped touching as I became a Shomer on dates and suddenly I just did everything the opposite and I wanted to see and I, and I think for me what happened to me and I guess if you're still on the gummy smile that's okay that is not gonna the it's gonna lower your chances to, to find and to be in a play state you'll be in a game mode but perhaps and here's maybe where you need to rethink about the way you're working with couples is you can't want it more than them yeah and I think oftentimes, um, I see this a lot of times, in, like we mistake clients for being clients when they're not clients yet. Yeah. Everyone's a potential client. So everyone's a client. Right. And then what happens is you want, and then you try to convince, no, gummy, gummy smiles don't matter. If gummy smiles matter for you, because it's a height to you, as we say, good luck. Right. Come to me when you're ready to drop the gummy smile and realize that, by the way, the longer the list, it probably, there's a, probably a correlation with how protected am I? We say this, and I'm just 
talking out loud here that everything on your list is game versus play. Every single thing on your list is game. Including values, including like the deep ones? Well, it's just a certain, because you have a certain expectation of it. You have a certain, you are putting on the list, you have an expectation this person's going to have it. So you're constantly spending time during this, this dating process, figuring it out. So there's a game aspect to it. It's, it's a win or lose. If, if every one of your list is a deal breaker, then yes. I want to I add this. I just wrote this down. The, the longer the list, the more defensive you are, the more protected you are. Because yeah. basically, what are you saying? The longer the list is, the chances that somebody will fit 30 criteria is so slow. So you're basically saying, I'm not really willing. I'm really scared. I'm more protective. Because if it's just Jewish and has a nose, then I will have lots of optional dates. But if the list includes a gummy smile and that he's left-handed and da 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 da, da then there's a part of you that knows it's going to be harder to find. Yeah. But then, and this is the shadow of a lot of these single people that I meet. Maybe you're just setting yourself up to not get your heart broken. Or maybe you are scared. You're scared um, big time from intimacy. Yeah. And therefore, you make a list that's half impossible because there's a part of you that knows that it's not really possible. And then you can always say, I can't find anybody. There is no anyone. And then I can also, here's a little shadow work, okay? So then I can also claim that I'm dying for intimacy. I just didn't find the right one without actually having to risk intimacy. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, a lot of people, and I meet couples, right? So I meet people before singles, but a lot of couples they meet, there's, I call them intimacy virgins. Even after 20 years of marriage, you can be married and still be an intimacy virgin. In the sense, can I say virgin? Is that okay? Yeah. Well, too late. I already said it. It's but like, the, so what? It's in the Torah. So it's good. It's in the Torah. <laughs> <laughs> so you could be an intimacy virgin, even if 20 years after you're married, because you've never been vulnerable, because you never show it. Yeah. I say this all the time. People, and, and like, that is the thing. You have a long list. You were probably going to be staying as an intimacy, intimate virgin for a long time. I'm not saying to lower your standards, but I'm saying to soften that list, go more into play. Of course, we have ideals of what we'd want. But there's a gap between what we want and what's there. Oh. And try to see what there is, not just what you want there to be. So, I have another one here, and this is also going to open up a whole can of whatever. Here's the question. How do I change the pattern not to meet the same person over and over again? Work on yourself. Right. Confront yourself. You yourself. are the common denominator in all the You're... people you've met and all yeah. your failed relationships and everything. You are the common denominator. You carry yourself wherever you go. Wherever you go, there you are. John Kabat-Zinn. Yep. I mean, I know it's, I know it's like a like a one-liner and now Zilgmor, as we say, go, go to practice. But like, I think that's really, it. if you are attracting the same people in your life, you're probably not doing deep work. And, and how do would I know that? Because you're attracting the same type of people. By the way, how to do the deep work, it's not just in therapy, but it needs to be with people that are willing to do two things for you. Block your exits and want more from you. It's that two combinations. I'll also say that to you. I, mean, I, I know personally, I'm just asking for the, for the broader audience. How do you block exits? So block exits. Exits are the greatest. It's the way I kind of either smoke screen, avoid intimacy, or present myself in a positive light. So, so for some of us, it's going to be sarcasm. For the other one, it's going to be the ditzy. I, I don't know what you're talking about. For other people, it's being facetious. Those are exits. And the second, I, when it gets too hot or intimate, I, I, I escape. And each one of us has our own exits. If you want to grow, you need to find someone, therapist, mentor, colleague, friend, who can block that and say, don't go into the jokes right now. Stay with me. 
Yeah. Don't say that you don't know. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Stay here. And at the same time, they're going to want more from you. What does more mean? I want to see more shades of you. And one of the advantages I have as a therapist, because I'm not, I'm not related to my clients, is I'm not threatened if they change. A lot of people in your life are, we call, and this isn't systemic therapy. I'll send you also um, the link about that. But if you want to do a second order change. your life want you to stay the same? Yes. Even if they complain about you. Even Why? People who care about you want you to stay the same? Yes. Wow. So let's, let me explain why. Because in systemic thinking, there's this concept of homeostasis, of balance. So next to every martyr in the family, okay, there's other people on the other side who are the victims who need their support, need her support. So here's the thing, right? So I, they complain, stop being the martyr, stop being the martyr. But if this woman, why did I assume it's a woman? Because most women I meet, I mean, I see more female martyrs than men martyrs. But we're not generalizing. They, if they really change, they're going to force everybody else to change. And the truth is we are creatures of habit and we want other people to change without, without changing ourselves. That's why even the people that complain change, if you really change, they're not going to like it. There are no applause for second order change. Second order change, you may need a deep change. I will send you a video about that. But yes, that's why it needs to be somebody on the periphery of your system, not your best friend, not your, it's usually not your sibling or your parent because they're too, they're in a complementary role to you. Change friend. You need a change, friend, friend. a change friend. Yeah. Not, I don't mean four quarters for a dollar, a real change friend. Yeah. Often, a lot of times it can be actually in men's circles and women's circles. Mm -hmm. I'd love to, for, to see the Chabad Center do some more men's circle that just help men say, cut that out, get your act together. And women's circle where women can, I feel like a lot of time with women, it's also about, uh, it's not just the cuddling them. Like I, a lot of my work with women is giving them more fatherly love than motherly love. What does that mean? I'll be more Dean. I'll be more like, mix it up, like give you something else. And it's not just saying, you're okay, you're okay. Everybody stop, stop hurting her. Because I feel for a lot of women that coddling is actually maintaining you in a reactive stance. And actually somebody's kicking you in the tush and saying, what's your shadow there? You know, and I, I want to just give that example of I'm working with a woman now who's single in her mid thirties, dated everyone already. And, and instead of saying to her, oh, poor you, I'm just like, okay, what do you not bring? Let's, let's start working. And it's interesting because she has to work through not being insulted by me wanting more from her. Because mm -hmm. a lot of us, we, if you don't, a lot of us want people to say amen to us. They don't really want us to, we don't want to be stretched. And when somebody stretches us, a lot of times we're offended. Like, why don't you believe what I'm telling you? I'm not lying to you. And then we choose to be insult, but insult is a way of blocking, is a way of not growing. So find someone who can challenge you and resist the urge to be insulted constantly by what they're saying. It's amazing. Let's go to the next one. This is unbelievable. Hi, and thank you for arranging these insightful sessions and for allowing us to share our personal questions anonymously. Here is something that happened to me that I've been curious about. I'm not sure how to condense it into one sentence. I once went out with someone whose company I enjoyed at first, and I was happy to go out again. But then at some point, I felt tense and anxious about meeting him again. There was nothing about what he said or did that made me not want to go out again, but just a feeling I couldn't explain. I had an idea what was going on emotionally, but then Corona came uh, and I dropped out. How can you explain what happened there? At what point can I allow myself to say he's not for me or is, or is it just a process of mixed up emotions that is normal to feel and should be pushing myself to continue? 
Should I answer first? Please. So I want to, let's separate the two questions of one, what were you feeling? And two, was he right for you or not? Those are two different, two different questions. I want to start actually with the first one of what do you do with your feelings? So here, here you go. Feelings are not right or wrong. They just are. Feelings are subjective. Feelings are connected to the here and now, but also to the then, then and there. And for me, what I find, and here's again, going back to play, that's why I love talking to myself. I'm inviting you to talk out loud and process these feelings live, either with yourself or with that, the change friend, or even on the date saying, I don't know why, but like, ah, like allow yourself to speak a little bit of what's going on and like, stop being afraid that people will reject you for that. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised to see that a lot of people actually find it refreshing for someone just to be honest and just talking what's happening in their mind. Because half of the date, I'm usually busy mind reading. What is he thinking and why is he, ah, he did this krechzen. Oh, he's looking over there. You're so much in your mind. Just relieve them from that. Just say, I'm not really sure. Like I had this wish of excitement, but then suddenly got scared. Like for me, a lot of times, and I also do it here in the webinar, sometimes I say, I want to say something and then I'll know if I feel it. Mm -hmm. Cause sometimes you need to name it to tame it. So mm -hmm. I'm inviting you to name it more and just see what that is. It might just be a something, just whatever, or like a wave of feeling or fear, and it might be real, but like the only way you find out is talking about it. And here's a, here's a, it's a two for one. And if you start practicing that very quickly, you will see whether this person you are dating can, can roll with you, can enjoy this kind of vulnerability, or if they would judge you and they say, I don't want, you're crazy. Then you're okay. Then you say, fine. You're right. Bye. Yeah. So right. that's your right. Whatever but, you wouldn't you, you're right. But, but like, wouldn't you want, wouldn't you want to be with someone you can talk to yourself to? Wouldn't you want to be in a relationship with someone you can bring different parts of you or you always need to be the strong macho man? The amount of couples I work with, the man, there's an kind of implicit deal that the man cannot show pain or weakness. So they're bottling it up for years. It's gotta be macho. Or the woman has to always be uh, sweet and polite. But if she can't bring her aggression, apropos back to eating, she can't bring her vitality. If her vitality threatens her man, and therefore she will always have to minimize her light next to him, then let's find that out now. Yeah. Because that's going to save you a lot of therapy, a lot of money later. Yeah. Here's, here's a harder one, I think. And here's another question that just came, that came in earlier. How do you know when it's the right one that you can say yes with full confidence without any doubt? There will be, there's no such thing. You will never, you will always have doubt. Yeah. Is it, doubt is okay. Doubt is our friend. Doubt keeps us fresh. Critical thinking is our friend. Don't ever, there's nothing forever. Nothing is a hundred percent. I think, I, I think for me, let me just reflect on my own journey. I felt if I go for the three things, which is being playful, grow next to him and be myself. I felt those early on at a certain point. I knew that I don't know. It just felt like it was more yeses than noes. And I was just like, I'm going to go for it. You know, the first thing, this was when I went to my theater group and I said I got engaged, a lot of them said to me, which basically means um, it was more like, wow, good for you that you did that. And I didn't understand that why. And then I realized because especially as you grow older, it's really an act of faith to say yes. It's a leap of faith, you know, it's, it's a leap of faith. And yes, it is a leap of faith with no guarantees, but that's also the excitement of it. So don't look for undoubting. He is the one soulmate. Is it, can I be myself? Is there a play? Can I grow next to him? 
for now, is this where I'm feeling good? And yes. And the reason I love marriage, instead of not just saying, well, we're just dating or just living together, because it's a people growing mechanism, that commitment forces you to give it more to work harder on it. Yeah. And I'm already letting you know, let me give you a spoiler alert, you will be married more than once. The question is, will it be with the same partner? So even whatever dance you have with this dance, whatever dynamic you have, that will change within a year, three, seven, it's going to change, hopefully with the same person, but it might not. So then don't, so don't true. go with, so yeah, true. don't think that it's going to be one marriage for 60 years. I stopped me measuring marriages by the amount of years they're together. I marriage marriages by how many marriages the couple had. And me and Galit are starting our third marriage and we've been married for a decade. Okay. Wow. Hi, Rabbi Bernath. Can you please ask Dr. Romanelli my question? So I'm asking you the question. Please. I am a smart, pretty, and highly educated young woman, but Good. can't seem to meet anyone. I'm starting to believe I will be alone forever. I don't understand why no one seems to realize or appreciate all I have to offer. Uh, <laughs> I wish you'd open the microphone. I'd love to meet. Is, she, is this a chat or an email that we got? This is an email. Uh, if you're on, please, please, please open the mic because I see we have like... 30 minutes. If you want to, if you want to do something different, you're welcome to open your camera and open the mic if that's you. But if it's not, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just say like this. First of all, um, I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm missing the K like to feel you and see you to kind of know how to react. But my first reaction, because I've worked a lot with a lot of women like this that are sweet, open, sincere, and they feel like, so my biggest tip for you would be, you're probably not connected enough to your shadow. Mm. You're not connected to the, to the, all the not nice, not cute, not pretty, not altruistic, not sneers, like all those parts, you're not bringing enough. And therefore, because you're bringing such a sweet, holier than thou kind of gummy smile, you're going to be attracting either gummy smiles back or people that are looking to what's behind the gummy the smiles, like people you'll feel like really aggressive. And I'll just go back to that example because the woman the single woman working because she's so not connected to her aggression. She experiences a lot of the men as being aggressive, but we have a saying in Hebrew, when you disqualify someone, you're, you're disqualifying something that's, that's that, that you have. So the more you own your shadow, like if you don't own your aggression, you're going to meet a lot of aggressive people. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Here's another one. I'm a mother. So wait, so, 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 so message to that woman, don't give up but start working on the other aspects of you. Sorry, go on. Yeah, I think that's a great, don't give up. If you, if you say there's no one out there for you, you are right. We are all self-fulfilling prophets. That's a really good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm a mother from the religious community. My child is in Shidduchim. Is in, you know, is that term Shidduchim. I want to know if you and Dr. Romanelli have suggestions on how a parent should guide their child in the Shidduch process. What should you do if your child is too stressed and if he or she is putting too much <clears throat> into finding a perfect match based on his or her core points and does not let him or herself bring feeling into the dating. All right, I have a really good, but you wanna go first? Um, I, first of all, I think it's a really great question because it's different than maybe secular dating in the religious world, parents do get involved, especially when they're younger. And so I think it's a really great question and something we've never addressed before in this forum. So. Let's go. I have a great answer. I don't know if it's going to be culturally appropriate. The best gift you can give your kids is a happy marriage, right? A happy relationship. The best advice 
you can give your kid is to open the curtain behind your own marriage. Open the curtain to your own marriage. Wow, Let them see. I know. Let them see the good. Let share with them. Share with them and what's appropriate for you. The challenges. For instance, I I make it a point to tell my kids. Also, I'm a couple therapist, right? So I'll say to them, you know, it's not easy being in a relationship. And they see that we fight. We see that we make up. I think for a lot of parents, I don't know, like you'll make, you'll do the cultural appropriation. We're like, we wanted to show them we're all a unified front. We're always happy. We have no fights. We're like a, a poster, we're like the hallmark poster of marriage. That's not a realistic expectation. No wonder our kids can't find anyone because they want to be like, I want a perfect marriage like my parents. Here's a newsflash. Your parents' marriage was never perfect and it's still not perfect. You right. want to help your son? Open up the curtain. Let him see the realities, the, the, the pimples, the blush, the, like all the wrinkles. Show them the reality. No, he's big enough. Maybe when he was 10, you, you were scared to show that? Fine. Yeah. Now he's a big boy and he's going to get onto his own marriage and he needs to know the truth. And if he thinks that marriages are simple and perfect, he is not prepared for marriage. Yeah. And the biggest sentence that my mother-in-law says, you know, twice divorced, my her, her parents made it look too easy. If it looks too easy, they're not going to work so hard. And the, the second we have a rupture, like, well, that's not like my parents. So yeah. stop giving them advice. Stop giving them advice. Model and show them what's the reality. Of. And by the way, and you, yeah. know what, and you know what? Also. Wait, and use that as an impetus to work on your own marriage. And yeah. if you're not happy with your marriage, then use this and role model to your child that it's never too late to change. It's never too late for that second or third marriage. And I also say this to a lot of religious couples because this is something that's very common in the religious community. And that is if you fight in front of your kids, which some couples do, not all, but if you fight in front of your kids, then you definitely need to show love in front of your kids also. Yes. Don't hide. If you do one, don't hide the other. Right. And if you're in a relationship where you are, there's so many things your children don't see. You don't want to show them touching. You don't want to see intimate. You don't want to see them fighting. You don't want to see disagreement. Then they have no idea what marriage is. It's like if you never eat next to someone, they might think that Abba never eats. Right. And they're going to look for a man who never eats. Yeah, that's exactly the point. You want to model how a human got it, looks I got like. It. Okay. <laughs> but but again, and, and showing your kids that rupture is okay. Yes, yes. Showing and to kids. verbalize it, to say, I'm also not always yeah. sure. Yeah. I'm, I am sometimes scared. Or there's, you know, like Galit's very vocal about her that I'm not so clean and organized. Like, and instead of taking offense, I'll say, yes, there's certain things, you know, Gottman's talk about 70% of our problems are unsolvable, regardless of who we'll marry. That's a Gottman statistic, right? 70, regardless of who you're going to marry, 70% of your problems will never go away ever. Okay. So start showing your kids the 70% and that it's not a deal breaker. Yeah, we have, we, I'm going to go, we we'll do one last question um, from this list. There's so many more, but I just picked one more because then I want to open it up. Uh, I want to change a little bit of something else for the last half hour of our program. Um, okay. The last question is, I am attractive and secure and happy. Um, for some reason, I cannot seem to attract a healthy relationship. Yeah. I attract narcissistic and selfish individuals. What do I do? Okay. You are not owning your stick enough. Because you're going in all altruistic and all benevolent than everybody else. For he who holds a, a hammer, the whole world is a nail. Abraham Maslow, okay? If you're attracting the same narcissist, that means you are not owning your own narcissism. You're, you're not having a healthy sense of ego. And yes, that is where you need to grow. 
because what you're basically saying, they're so narcissist, I'm not. No, you also are. And you know what? You need that. Now, I know I want to own my shtick again. It's harder for women to come on big and strong on dates. I get it. I get it. We had that last time around as well. But if you don't do the work, you are only going to attract um, narcissists because you are not, something in you is not owning that part of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Amazing. Okay, so for the last half hour of our program, I want to invite people to unmute themselves and to allow this play date to happen, get involved, become part of our play date. Um, here is what I'm going to tell you for the recording. I'm going to keep the recording going, but I will not show your face. That'll be the, the, the I, so that way we'll only hear your voice. People will still just see Asael and I. We'll only hear your voice. That way I'll give you the ability to, yes, people here on the, on the call can see you, but people in the public won't be able to see you if they were watching this recording. Can, will I be able to see him or her? Yes. Now? You can, you can see them now anytime you want. If you just show the, if, if you just show. So, but when I, my, my request to you is if you decide to unmute yourself, A, you can raise your hand or you can unmute yourself so that we don't do it, but keep your questions pointed. So, you know, uh, less than 30 seconds. So that way we can get through at least, you know, 10 or 15 people. You're living in a film, as we say in Hebrew, if you think it's going to be 30 right. seconds. So let's, I'm, I'm just seeing people unmuting. If you unmute, I'm just going to go in order. So let's go, um, Francesca. Hi, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, my question is, uh, there's so much information that I'm taking in and absorbing, and I decided to use this time, especially during the pandemic, to kind of practice, um, especially who I am and what I'm all about, because um, it's I'm a very strong woman, and, and I've always downplayed it because it's yeah. not considered feminine. But right. at what point will will I will I come to a point where I will really feel like, okay, I, I'm ready to try this out i've you know what i'm saying where will i will i don't know if that makes sense but do you, do you yes francesca if you keep the more you'll feel comfortable in the fact that you're big yeah i also find that it's i don't know i'm just gonna say this i find that also big women women that are tall or broad also have this issue of trying to minimize themselves the second you can own your size that's another episode i'll send you if you come in and, and you feel comfortable in your own skin then you will find, wait, I lost you for a second. I'm, I'm ah, because ah, the other people open their mic. Okay, so I'm going to the gallery with you. So Francesca, if you, the more you'll feel comfortable and confident and also, but also know where you are small and not just big. You understand what I'm saying? You need, you need the whole package. It's not like I am strong. I am a powerful woman. Uh, no, it's also, okay, I got this. By the way, I have this kind of shtick. I have this annoying, like the second you're more and more comfortable in your skin, then I, I feel like you will be attracting to your life people that can roll with it. I feel like for a lot of women though, they lose faith because they keep getting this message from a young age, especially if you're too loud, too tall, too pretty, or too, or too confident, you're too much, you're too much, you're too much. It's like dripping, 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 dripping. Tone it down, tone it down, tone it down, tone it down. And that's, that's a tragedy. But I wanna guarantee that there are men out there. And even if these men, wait, and even if these men um, are initially threatened, you will find somebody who'll be like, what? But they'll be like, nice. Okay. Thank and you, you might have to you might have to go above your own age because men are more immature okay true thank you oh thanks thank you let's go to martina hi so i put this um in the chat so it, it's happened to me several times 
where someone accepts me, has a match. Um, I talk to them once, twice, and then all of a sudden, mysteriously, and it's happened several times, different people, I start getting texts demanding for additional pictures. And I, I just find that, and I'm actually quite confident in my looks, but I find it rather rude and offensive. And then I end up just um, terminating, I guess, the match or whatever. Terminating. Yeah. I'm terminating the date. <laughs> I mean, recently kind of got confrontational with a person who was like, no, I liked you, but the person would not stop requesting more and more pictures. Okay, here's my Others, solution. You know the experiences? Because I've talked to my friends and I've heard horrific stuff. Like they're talking to someone, someone on Zoom on and the, person, the male's demanding for them to get up and walk so they can analyze their bodies. And I'm like, what? Just close it. And I don't know, but am I overreacting? Like, I don't know. So but I want to give you a different answer. I don't know. I mean, before you start, Asal, a lot of the women on this on this call here, I, I'm just watching the, the screens, they're all leaning forward. So this obviously is a very common issue that's- <laughs> so, um, A, I'm smiling because on one hand, it's ridiculous. On the other hand, I can understand it. So as a man, as a young man, but here's what I want to say to you. I'm going back to play versus game. I want to give you homework. You create a book of five, six, however many pictures you want. And you can just send that right off the bat and say, these are the pictures. These are the only pictures you will get. Anything else you're going to have to meet me or make it a little bit into more of a playful thing. And you choose which pictures you want. Make sure that not all of them are amazing Photoshop pictures of yourself. Realistic mm -hmm. pictures of who you are and not from like 10 years ago at your best friend's mm -hmm. wedding when everything was like perfect because it's also not realistic, right? And then I would just like, I would like, I would keep it as a game. Like I would be playful with that. And for every picture he wants, he needs to send you three pictures. I'm happy to send you more, but three pictures. I want one for bird's eye view, one's from ant. Like, turn that into a play. Don't take it so seriously. Remember, insult is the highest form of blocking. The second you're insulted, you're casting him as the persecutor and you are the victim. And mm -hmm. Marty, you don't seem to me like somebody who's a victim. Mm -mm. So separate between being like, huh, to being okay, like to being more playful. And at a certain point, you'll see, because you can't play with anybody. Some people don't can't play. Okay, so then it's not inappropriate to continue. It felt like voyeurism. It's like, this but is listen, but, Mar but this is what I'm going to say to you. Let's not waste time in saying it's appropriate or not. It's subjective. It's your experience. Okay. It's whatever works for Martina, because for Francesca and for Sharon and for Leonid, it's different categories. So okay. I think that I get this all the time. Is this normal? I get this like, are we having enough sex? Is this normal for couples? Are we talking enough? There is no normal. We're all messed up. We're all screwed up, including me. We're all screwed up. The question is subjectively, do I feel comfortable with five pictures, 10 pictures? You know, for some people be like, yeah, I get that. So instead of being like, oh, I can't believe you want to say, okay, here's the seven pictures. Okay. Or even more, have him three pictures for like, turn that into a game, see what happens. I want to see seven pictures of him. I don't know. Anyways, yeah. Let's, let's go to Barb. Barbara. Who's Barb? Hi. Hey, Barb. It just seems to me that, well, first of all, what work do I have to do on myself if I'm attracting narcissists? And it seems to me that the older and the uglier the man is, the younger and more beautiful the woman they want. Like they, you know, you get this guy and he looks like a turtle, but he's really, um, I don't know, uh, picky. And I'm getting old. I'm getting too old for men now, it seems. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, I've got guys who are 65 and they're looking for 30 year olds and that's not realistic. Well, unfortunately it is realistic for a lot of them. But for those who finally realize that it's not realistic, then that's when, that's when they're going to start compromising and starting going up in the ages. But there's two different discussions here. One is about men, older men looking for younger women. And the other one is you attracting narcissists. Mm-hmm. And I'm going back to that woman who said about the narcissist. Like there's probably a part of you as well. Because listen, it might, you have two ways how to see this. Either you, you didn't find the right person, which means you're okay and they're bad and then go, go date other men. Or I always choose the interpretation that gives, that gives me the most agency, that puts the most shadow on me. So I'm choosing to, and I'm not saying it because it's your fault. I just want to give you more agency, but I'm going to go the opposite. Instead of saying they're losers and they're all baboons, and you should just retire <laughs> and become the cat, the sweater cat woman that has four cats and wears different sweaters every day before you turn into the cat woman. You just think that there's something, but there's a part of me that I'm not owning. There's a part of my aggression, my anger, my narcissism that I'm not owning enough. And there, when I'm coming to dates, I'm coming off as like this Oliver Twist, twist please, sir, may I have some of your attention? They're like, no, you won't have any. Yes. So that's what I would say to you. So work on yourself more and then just have fun. How if do he's I a narcissist, work on That's a huge question. You start finding someone who's a change friend, a change agent who will block your exits because you're super sweet and will dig behind you and help you see all those other parts that are not so sweet about Barb. And then you will have this experience of being vulnerable and being seen not in your best light and still being loved. And that will slowly rewire your brain to realize, wow, I can be really loved also when I'm not sweet, also when I'm not quiet, also when I'm angry or when I'm sexual or when I'm horny or when I'm aggressive. That's how you do it. Okay, I will try. I mean, it's not it's easier said than done, but like that is the process. That is the process. Find somebody who respects you, but it's not scared of you and wants more from you. And find okay. a person like that. Thank you. Start for working that. with them. Thank you. I want to, um, I want to um, just add something about the, the, this issue of older men and younger women. Yeah. Um, I have a rule that I don't set any, I, I don't, it, there cannot be more than 10 years difference. I will not set up someone. So if this a 60 year old comes and says they want a 30 year old, don't talk to me, go somewhere else. So I, and I, and so this last week, this guy is like, you know, he, he's so upset at me that I set him up. He's 60 years old. I set him up with someone 53. I said, that's what I do within 10 years. That's my rule. I'm very clear about it from the onset. So he's, he's very upset. So I said, I'm really sorry. He said, well, in my community, the rabbis allow it. So I said, I'm very happy. So tell the rabbis in your community, set you up. You know, that's it. So he has this rabbi call me. <laughs> so this rabbi calls me, well, da, 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 that's going on. I said, don't call me. Go out there and find a young woman for him. I'm sure it'll work out so well for you. I'm sure you're really good at it. What are you bothering me for? If you want to do it, go do it. I have a rule, and that rule comes from the Rebbe. The Rebbe said that you should not be setting up more than 10 years apart, and I am very clear about that rule. And I think it's, and, and, and I don't change that. Can I just add to that? I see a lot of couples. The second there is, I have a 24-year-old dating a 42-year-old. And it's just, when it's more than a decade, I mean, I've never done the decade rule. Um, they're just, in di- they want different things in their life. The chances of them being on the same page are so small. It's almost doomed for failure. 
And of course you want a younger model, but she's going to want to have kids in a year or two. And you already have 18, you know, your kids are 20 years old. You want to have a baby, like a lot of that. So, okay. oh, I have to talk about this reverse Wait, I get this all the time. Okay. Can we talk about this older women who are disqualified in dating younger men? I want to talk about this for a second. So I know there's like this, this fetish of like 20 year olds wanting to date 60 year olds. I get that. That's a bit weird and creepy. I get it. I get it. But if a man is like a decade younger than you, then let's stop the hypocrisy and the double standard. Go on on a date with him. He's not weird. Just like it's not weird if a man wants to date it. Like I always say that if you flip the gender, would that be weird? If a 35 year old called you and you're 45, if it was opposite, would that be weird? You'd say no. So don't do that double standard. And then you wonder why men are not changing because we're also locking them in standards. Yes, if there's a younger man who actually wants to talk to you, isn't interested in you, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Grab them. There are not a lot of those. They're, they're actually rare. They're a rare species. It's okay. Ew. Even in general, it's okay for... Okay, let me... Um, Michal's been waiting a while. Let's go to Michal. There okay. So I definitely have, I have to say, uh, I definitely have some uh, younger men that sometimes uh, approach me and stuff. And of course it's flattering. And uh, for an older, <laughs> for someone that is older, that all of a sudden someone in his 20 or 30, all of a sudden they uh, want to date me. But the question, how serious it can be. What's the age gap? Like how old, can I ask how old you are? I mean, is that there's okay? one guy that uh, kind of keep uh, calling me that I met him through J-Red and he's 28 or 29. I just, I just turned 50. I maybe look younger, but I still turned 50. So, uh, I mean, it's uh, almost half of my age. It probably can be his mom. Well, 25 years, that's, so, that's a lot. What? That's yeah. a lot. Like if I fl flip the gender, Michal, flip the gender. And would, if I told you about a man and a woman in those flip it, would that fly for you? How do you flip again? If if I'd say a 50-year-old man and a 28-year-old woman, how would you react to that? Oh, yeah. That also sounds bad. I think that should be your measurement. But then again, like, listen, miracles can happen. You never know. But overall, I agree. If it's 25 years, that's a big difference. Yeah. Too yeah. big. Too big. Yeah. Plus, she's going to, you know, yeah. But the quick, okay. So, uh, so how much uh, we can go uh, low? I mean, is 10 years? It's still a lot, no? The rabbi says 10 years. I Listen, I'm never usually in the match. I'm not in the matchmaking business, but 10 years sounds like you could be more or less in the stage. I mean, that was the rabbi's rule, so I just go with that. I mean, but the rabbi said... I can tell you from my experience, that is correct. That is a... I, I mean, I think 10 years is a lot already. I generally go within 10 years. Not I, 10 years would be... Uh, uh, there would have to be a really good reason why I would go for that many years, but six, seven is already you know, a lot, you know, I generally try to stay within five. Yeah, but the, what I remember is the rabbi said that 10 years for a man uh, that is, uh, that the woman is younger 10 years and for women can be three years older than the men. I think oh, that's I, what it's. Okay, I, I never heard that, but that, I'll look into that. That's very interesting. Thank you. But I, I, I want to say something about that. But, that but, I do think that sometimes I do like look younger and uh, someone that is uh, my age sometimes, or older, they look way, and I mean, of course, it's not always the outside, but it's the outside come with the way that they live, the, the, the way that um, uh, they're functioning, what they want to do in their life, you know? It just goes together. Okay. Can it also be about the outside, not just about the outside? Again? 
can it also be about the outside? The outside looks not just about the outside looks because I know that it's very common on the dating sites to start with a picture. I, I hate it. I hate it. I wish it wasn't that way. But um, can it also be looks, but not only about looks, but also about other elements? I mean, I, I can't imagine that's the only thing that's important in someone's life. I hope. No, not at all. It's but I want to say, I, I want to say actually, okay, sorry. I want to answer Michal, but then I actually want to take with what you said now. So basically, Michal, I'd say like this, flip the genders. If the age gap works, because why have a double standard? Why for women three? I mean, I don't want to go against what the Rebbe said. I don't know. Like, I, I never heard that before, but that's interesting. No, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying like, yeah, if it's 10 years and it makes sense for you, I, I think also the older we get, the 10 years are less dramatic. Like, 16 to 26 is ah 26 to 36 but like 56 to 66 because it's less the older we get the more this but i wanted to say something about what you said israel which i just forgot can you just repeat what you just said i wanted to say something about that what did you just say I'm not sure. what did i just say <laughs> ah what did what what did whatever i have to just say i wanted to say something about that does anybody has anybody been listening oh, I to also, it? I said yeah, he said um, he said oh, that external look should be yeah. important, but it shouldn't okay. be the only thing. Something so I volunteered to be a therapist on this project called you know I don't you have this in, in North America uh, marriage at first sight right so so some so some people started this 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 pro bono called um, relationship at first sight which was the more religious less hardcore basically matching two people who've never met. And I volunteered to be one of the therapists. And I had this, I was, for me, it was an experiment to see, can we blind date two people and force them to date for six weeks? Okay. And what I knew, and out of the six, there were 12 couples, 12 of them didn't last through the three weeks. And I learned something interesting about that is the, ah, cause it goes back to the picture. I do believe that something about seeing eyes can help you feel that tele, that, that initial thing. I don't think we need to be completely blind. I think it's fine to have a visual. I think it's legit. I think it's really legit. It just, like what you said, it can't be the only thing, but let's not pretend that love is completely blind. I'm not it's saying not blind. to do it. I just don't want it to be the first thing. I agree with you. I agree with you. I just wanted to share that experience I had because I was really curious. Can I teach a couple to, to work together even if they've never chose each other? Yeah. No, but I, I definitely think Physical attraction is important, and I'm not putting it aside. I just don't yeah. want the one. I agree with you. I agree with you. Okay, um, Anna was waiting. Anna, you can unmute yourself. Oh, Anna, you have someone there. Hello. Hey, hey, that is Mia. Hi, say hi. <laughs> yeah, she can't. Sometimes she can play by herself, but sometimes she really just comes and needs a cuddle. Okay. Um, so yeah, I have a bit of an unusual situation. And first of all, I really want to thank you, um, uh, Rabbi, um, as 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 our Yeah, sorry. Um, no, I just like I really enjoy listening to you, uh, and I'm kind of like um, agree with almost everything you're saying. Um, it's just that my situation is a bit unusual, and I wanted some advice. Okay. Um, so I'm um, in my late forties, and I'm a single mom. I'm a rather solo mom by choice. I have this two-year-old toddler um, and I decided to become a solo mom by choice because I really struggled to find someone who I can create a family with yeah. and so now I feel like I have no pressure to look for someone to have a child with but I've changed so much and um, because I've you know all, all this transformation uh, from a single never um, finding relationship woman to um, a, a single mom and also, I guess because I'm, you know, I look different now, I'm older, um, 
I'm not quite sure what I need to like what I need right now, but I really just want to have a relationship and complete family. So what would you say? <laughs> I feel like that was more of a statement, a declaration of what you want than a question. <laughs> wow. Perhaps yeah, what's happening because now I'm, is- I'm just really confused. I'm really confused. Yeah. I don't know where to start. Um, I decided that I want to go to a Shadhan, but most of the most Shadhan, because I'm kind of, I'm not a modern Orthodox, I'm a traditional woman, but I come from a secular background from former Soviet Union. And I am really, uh, I really, you know, respect and, and I had Jewish, good Jewish, Jewish education. I respect the traditions and, and I'm quite, I, I'm willing to go further on my spiritual journey, but I'm just, um, uh, finding difficult because in, in England, I'm from London, okay, and in England it's really hard to find um, Shadchanim, uh, most of them are in either Israel or US. Um, so, yeah, and even like I've been to on a couple of sites that involve Shadchanim. Um, it's, yeah. And it's, What's your question, Anna? Do you have a specific question or you just want to float up your desire? The question is, um, the question is, how do I, okay, okay. Um, You're doing great. You're doing great. I'm, it's, how, it's, how do I present myself now? And um, you know, like, how do I find who is the right person for me? And how Hi, do I... my name is Anna. I have a lovely two-year-old. Her name is Mia. She likes to eat carrots at 10 o'clock on a Sunday. I'm looking for somebody who, when he reads this, thinks this is actually interesting and desirable. I love watching Frozen, and but you know, I'm not just a mother. I'm also a passionate cyclist, or I love drawing. And I love peanut butter without the jelly. That's very American, actually. Okay, there is a thing. Okay, there is a, the reason I brought up the the um, level of observancy and and um, and um, um, religion to it because um, when I tried to complete my profile in one of the sites, I think it was I saw you at Sinai. Um, actually, when I put. I know it's kind of like 10 years ago, it would just be impossible to assume that if a woman is not married, why would she have a child, right? But I tried to put my um, my status as a single. And then when I put a woman, it actually wouldn't let me, it wouldn't let me, so when I put that I have a child, it wouldn't let me say that I'm single, you know? So that was really like tricky situation as well. Yeah. Um, we're gonna actually sure, have, take it away. We're gonna have a session uh, in the next couple of weeks that I'll let you know about with the founder and a, a director of Saw you at Sinai. And oh, wow. we're gonna be Great. talking okay. about a lot of these types of issues. And you can bring up this question to him and, and see what he says, because there's a wow. lot of people that have had a lot of questions about some of these religious or modern Orthodox online dating sites. And I wanna give them an opportunity to be able to speak to them. Uh, in person. So we're going to be doing a session in the next couple of weeks. That's a great, that's a great talk. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Anna. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Right, we have four minutes. You want to, I want to just, someone asked a really good question that I think uh, it could be, uh, oh, uh, Dana, you want to ask the question in person, please? Okay, sure. I'll try. Um, okay. So basically I remember a long time ago, you said, um, you know, if, if, a, if a woman has a bad relationship with her mom, 
that it's like uh, just be careful like it's it's a red flag and you're right it can be because uh it definitely can be who said I that i said that i said no. all right let me I'll, I'll answer that in a second okay go on <laughs> Go so, on, yeah, so I see how it can be because a lot of those unresolved issues get projected onto the people that, you know, is close to that person who has the bad relationship with their mom. And it's a lot of uh, baggage, uh, unresolved issues. But, um, but sometimes it, it's a lost cause and you can't, you can't change it. You can't fix the relationship. And you tried and you went to therapy and it just, it, nothing works. So, but you can work on yourself. So what if you have a woman who has a bad relationship with her mom, but has done a lot of self work, she meets a guy and the guy's like, how's your relationship with your mom? And she says, well, yeah, we, we have a good relationship. You know, we don't argue. We, we're not very close, but, but yeah, but she's doing well. We speak some, you know, and the truth is uh, the woman does speak with her mom occasionally and has peaceful conversations because they don't go very deep. And they leave it at that, and that's where it ends. So what? So is it still a red flag? Well, I wouldn't. I'm assuming we all have complicated relationships with our mother. That's no, not a red flag. What? No, that's just you and me. That's it. Joking. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know that Freud said that if there'd be no mothers, there'd be no psychoanalyst analysis. Like, it's the most complicated relationship of all. So for me, nothing's a red flag. I mean, I mean, each one of us has red flags. I mean, that's not, again, for me, I don't know what, what Isai would answer for that, but for me, that's, I wouldn't beware. I mean, obviously you want to beware. There's a lot of things you want to beware, but like if the woman doesn't have a good relationship with her mom, she can also, and what if she has a better relationship with her dad or with her siblings? I mean, I don't think that would be the measurement. I, I, I think that is that, you don't know what kind of husband or wife someone's going to be, but you do know how they're going to be with the person they have to be around. And their friends are not, well, I was, I was comparing it to, are, are they a good friend or are they a good child or are they a good sibling? And that is that we get an iota of an idea of how they're going to be in a long-term relationship by how they are with the people they have to be around like their family. But the difference is, and I think, I mean, I like this idea on paper, but if I bring it to the clinic, oftentimes, um, the problematic relationship is not just because that person is not mature enough. Right. So you can have a, 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 a psychotic mind. And I even, I'm not even going to psychosis or bipolar. It could just be a very rigid, a Holocaust survivor mom or a mom that grew up with the Holocaust survivors and is rigid and does not know how to express love. So I think that's a, I, I like the idea of it. I just, I think that needs to be a bit more. I, I think I was saying that for an individual more than looking at the other where maybe that could be a good impetus for you to think about what things that you want to grow and change. If you don't have a good relationship with your mom, maybe this is something you have to work on in your own work. Oh, well, I, 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 I want to say this. I'm more and more doing in my therapies with single people, men and women, sessions with their parents. You want to work on intimacy? Bring one of your, if their parents are still alive, bring them into therapy. Do family therapy with your parents in your 30s and your 40s. I'm doing now family therapy with my parents. I'm 42. My parents are 80 years old. We're doing it on Zoom. And I am experiencing a huge uh, growth personally, my parenting and my relationship. Like, yes, that's a wonderful opportunity. In general, if you're in any therapeutic context, start bringing, dragging in your parents on Zoom. Start doing work there. Because I just want to say one thing. We spoke earlier about differentiation, right? Differentiation, my ability to be myself and also to be big. Murray Bowen, who coined that phrase, 
the way he would work with people, he'd wait for Christmas, Hanukkah, and then when they go to visit their parents, that's when they would do the work. You raise differentiation with your parents, siblings, um, partners, and kids. I, I, so instead of saying you have a bad relationship, no, say, oh, you have that? Let's go into that. And then practice standing your ground, being differentiated, owning it, being open with your parents. If you pr- even if you don't change them, that is your gym. And when you come on that date, you've done work and you can own your, you can own your shtick. The three things, own your shtick, let it land, say the thing. And I'll send you videos on that too. One of the things that I really enjoy about sharing this space with you is that everything you say, you do. And that is an incredible, uh, authentic value of yours. And I really like that. I've been looking for someone for years to be able to share a space like this with. And one of the things that really excited me from the beginning, and it still continues throughout all of our discussions, is that what you say for others to do is what you have done and do yourself. And that's really powerful. It really is. because I try to. I try to. At least above 90%. Because I... No, because I know that all therapists are hypocrites, like all rabbis are hypocrites, okay? But I try to own my hypocrisy. And the way I do it is I say the thing. I don't pretend to be someone I'm not. And that relieves, relieves me from the pressure of feeling like I need to have an answer to every single one of your questions. It's, it's really an amazing value. I think the more differentiated we can be, or if you want to use the word authentic, the more authentic we can be with ourselves, the better people were going to be so many people start off the relationships based on lies yeah. based on they, they show a part of themselves. Like you said, with all the makeup, with everything, they show a perfect version of themselves that they can never keep up. And they wonder why the relationships wither away because but you start in a place that you can never keep up with. But even more than that, when are you going to be yourself after everybody goes to sleep when you're only with yourself? Like you, at the end of the day, you have one life to live. You want to be as much as yourself as possible. I call this being in your, in your relationship. You want to share, especially, but just in general, you want to be in your relational pajamas all day, yes. relational pajamas, be yourself, with your spouse, at least forget yes. about anywhere else, but at least with your spouse, you should be. And if you don't have a spouse, at least do it in your workplace with your friends, be yourself. And you might lose some friends and you might lose some friends on the way, but you will attract your life. People that are more honest, more vulnerable, more differentiated. Yeah. Somebody says, I love relational pajamas. I know exactly. It's so true. Relational pajamas. And, And the funny thing is look at your friends. Who are the friends you hang out with? Are you real with them? Or are you fake with them? Do you put up a big smoke screen? Do you, you know, and, and, I, and I've thought about that in my own life. Like the people who I, who I, I, there was a point in time where I enjoyed being around people who I can look good in front of and, and make me feel good. But that's not really what I'm looking for in a friendship. In a friendship, I'm looking for someone who I can be in my relational pajamas with. I love that term, new term, relational pajamas. I think All right. a great way to end off our yeah. session today. As always, this has been absolutely uh, enlightening. I apologize. We didn't get to all the questions again, but I guess that's good. It means there's always for more. And uh, thank you all of you who have stayed with us for uh, these two hours. I hope that most of all, listening to it is not as important as you leaving this session. And doing it, yes. One yes. thing, if you just take one thing that we spoke about today and do it, it was worth our two hours to be able to sit here and, and, and allow you in on our little play date here. So, uh, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. We'll send you, we'll send you follow-up emails and this will be on Facebook. You want to tell them Facebook? On yeah, yeah we're, we're, we'll put the record. We're going to send you the recording. You'll get the recording and 
Um, we're also we'll do another one of these. Let's do another one of these. Yeah, we'll do another do one. Another one. That's yes, do another one, please. We're going to be working on these small group sessions that people have been asking for. We're going to figure out the, the, the dynamic of it, um, how it's going to work, and we'll let you know the next, uh, in the next week or two exactly how these small group sessions are going to work. It is one of the things that we've been working on now. And there's a couple <clears> other things that we're working on. And uh, if you want the recording of the session, we're going to email. You're going to get an email from Asael, an email from me. My, the email from me will have the recording of today's session. So you can re-listen to it and re-listen to it. And my email for me is going to be with some of the content, some of the things I mentioned. I'll just send you a podcast and stuff. Absolutely. All right, go, go do it. Go on dates. I want to hear, next time we meet, I want to hear some of your adventures. Absolutely. This works. Try us. See if this works, our tips. And, and, and our, whenever Asal and I have, uh, we do a lot of uh, voice notes together. We have always a, a sign-off. It started with, Asal started this sign-off. I don't know how it started. And I always took it. And our sign-off is stay, stay Jewish. Jewish. Stay <laughs> Jewish, everyone. So stay Jewish. Jewish. Thank good luck. you. Stay silly. Stay, stay playful. Good day, everyone, or good evening, or good night. It's good to see everyone. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. -bye.